Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara and welcome to The Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. In deep blue California, a sanctuary state for reproductive rights, there are more than 170 so-called crisis pregnancy centers, or anti-abortion centers. Many are located right next to an abortion provider like Planned Parenthood, and often front as plain old community health clinics. But these centers have one purpose, to persuade people not to get an abortion, even if the patient is walking through the door trying to find one. It's confuse, deceive, delay. Most crisis pregnancy centers aren't medically licensed, but there are actually more of them in California than there are abortion clinics. And they could have a huge impact on the thousands of people seeking an abortion here since the end of Roe versus Wade. Because for a procedure where timing is everything, ending up at one of these centers can delay or outright stop people from accessing healthy abortions entirely. Today, the anti-abortion movement in our own backyard. I visited a street. It's Jefferson Street in, in Napa. It's in the main downtown area. Emma Silvers is a digital editor and producer for KQED. And it's one short block, and there's a Planned Parenthood center that has been there for, I want to say, at least 20 years. And in the last few years, I believe it opened in 2020, a group called Napa Valley Culture of Life purchased the only other building on that street. It's right next door to the Planned Parenthood and opened a crisis pregnancy center called the Napa Women's Center. They're right next door to each other. They're connected by a fence. The Napa Women's Center has a huge banner outside that says free pregnancy tests. It's designed to look like a, yeah, a health health center. Once you got there, what did you see? Who did you encounter? The first thing I saw was a woman sitting outside Planned Parenthood on a folding chair. She was wearing green scrubs. And um, we have alternatives to the pill department. She was intentionally dressed like a nurse. And she was approaching people as they entered the Planned Parenthood or left the Planned Parenthood and asked them if she could talk to them about free resources. If they said yes, 
which from what I saw, most people, you know, were pretty happy to engage with her or at least were willing to put up with it for 30 seconds. She gave them pamphlets. Some of these pamphlets we're talking about uh, full of misinformation about abortion. And one of the cards she gave them was for the Napa Women's Center. This volunteer's name was Teresa Konamak. She told Emma she was with a group called 40 Days for Life. I know you later found out she's actually not a nurse, and and you actually talked with her yourself. Uh, What did she tell you? She saw it as her duty as a Christian to sit outside the Planned Parenthood and try to help people, quote, choose life. This organization is an anti-abortion organization. A few times a year, they have these really intensive periods where for 40 days, they have protesters present nearly around the clock in front of abortion clinics, praying, handing out literature full of misinformation. They call it sidewalk counseling. It's interesting because there is supposed to be a buffer zone around abortion clinics. She was sitting right next to the sign that informed people of the buffer zone, that protesters are not supposed to be that close to the entrance. Some of the abortion rights advocates I spoke with told me that law enforcement have seemed hesitant to enforce that rule. Did you eventually go inside the building? I did. It was very serene and, you know, soothing colors. Um, It was sort of a converted old craftsman house. And I spoke with Julie Murillo. We're trying to help people make a decision for life. Who is the executive director of the Napa Women's Center. We're not a medical clinic yet. We're hoping to be one in the future. So the pregnancy tests that we do are are a self-test. So they read them themselves because we're not medical professionals. She told me that people wind up at that center mistakenly all the time. How often would you say that kind of thing happens? A couple times a week, probably. Okay. Yep. And looking for birth control or abortion? All of the above. I want to kind of zoom out and talk about these centers a little bit more broadly. How many centers like this are there in California and the Bay Area? Yeah, by most counts, there are between 170 and 180 um, anti-abortion centers in California. There are more of these centers than there are legitimate clinics that provide abortion care, to be clear. Um, There's something like 140, I think, abortion clinics in California currently. There's the one in Napa, Santa Rosa, Nevada, San Jose. There's several in Redwood City. They're really everywhere once you start looking. Crisis pregnancy centers have been around since Roe v. Wade was first decided, but they really started picking up in the 80s as evangelical Christian groups got involved. Republican presidents like George W. Bush and Donald Trump have also spent taxpayer dollars on these centers under the banner of abstinence education. The Trump administration gave $5.1 million from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services to a California network called Obrea Medical Clinics, which runs centers like these. 
It's all part of a wide network across the country and even the world. And they're very savvy and aggressive at marketing their crisis pregnancy centers. I mean, it seems like the branding and the sort of marketing is a huge part of this entire enterprise. Can you tell me about what that strategy is um, for many of these crisis pregnancy centers? The geographical choices are, are a big one. The vast majority of them are intentionally set up next to legitimate reproductive health clinics in the hopes of diverting people. There are certain communities that they target without a doubt. We know that in their promotional materials, they are likely to feature Black women. They also target Latino women. I spoke with someone from California, Latinas for Reproductive Justice, and she talked about how blatant it is in Los Angeles, where they're based, that these centers both set up and by advertising in heavily Latino communities, and in some cases could be targeting undocumented immigrants who might feel fearful of visiting a state or city-funded clinic. There are documented efforts that show that some of these networks have initiatives. The quote-unquote urban initiative attempts to set up in communities of color to buy advertising on like BET and in a really targeted way focus their efforts in communities of color. Coming up, what reproductive rights advocates say about the harm these centers cause. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. I want to talk uh, about the harm that these clinics cause, Emma. Um, I mean, it does seem misleading to say that you offer reproductive health services, but actually you're an anti-abortion clinic. And I can imagine people getting really confused by that. Is that what makes these clinics so worrisome to advocates of reproductive rights? I reported this story for months, and I am still struggling to come up with the right adjectives for some of these stories that I heard. It gets a little dicey in Napa. Gloria Martinez is the senior director of operations for Planned Parenthood of Northern California. 
I spoke with Gloria after I saw that scene in front of Planned Parenthood and the Napa Women's Center. And she gave me a little bit of background about how that crisis pregnancy center has affected their work at that location of Planned Parenthood. Patients will sometimes get confused, especially if it's their first time seeing us. There are facilities that offer what are called non-diagnostic ultrasounds. It's a belief in the anti-abortion movement that ultrasounds are a really powerful tool for convincing someone to continue their pregnancy. There are stories in which someone might visit a crisis pregnancy center and they say we need to perform an ultrasound and then they give that patient a sonogram, a printed out picture with a falsified image of a fetus that's at a later stage of development. There's really just a, it's, it's an overwhelming number of tactics. One way they track how successful those anti-abortion activists are at diverting people is no-shows at Planned Parenthood. And during those 40 Days for Life campaigns when there are protesters outside in large numbers, nearly constantly, the no-show rate pretty much doubles. Um, It's usually around 19%, and it spikes to 40 to 50%. You know, I know that as we've been talking about the end of Roe v. Wade, California is expecting thousands of people to come here from other states for abortions. So there's going to be a lot of people who may be even less familiar with the lay of the land here, maybe ending up at one of these crisis pregnancy centers, right? How do these centers actually end up harming people's health? I think one thing you have to be realistic about when we talk about potentially 16,000 people a year coming to California for abortions is how much work that takes. You know, you are talking about people who are taking time off work, who are maybe arranging childcare, who are paying for costly and time-consuming public transit, who are figuring out a place to stay. When those people get here, if it turns out their appointment is not at a legitimate health clinic, but at a crisis pregnancy center, a number of things happen. For one, they are going to almost across the board experience feeling misled and deceived. It's an emotionally traumatic experience. Now, after that, if you decide, okay, no, I need this abortion, do you then have the time to make another appointment? to research where to go to get real health care. Can you stay out of work that long? Does your child care that? All of these things, it's so much work. There are so many barriers to accessing something that is perfectly legal here. If they are successful in at least delaying the procedure, they've achieved really what they wanted. I just want to go back to Napa because I am curious How are things going for folks who are actually working next door to this uh, anti-abortion clinic at the Planned Parenthood? Like, what impact has being next door to this crisis pregnancy center had? I mean, it's, it's terrible. The folks who worked at that Planned Parenthood were not allowed to speak with me on the record. But from what I gathered, it's a really intense daily experience of dealing with people outside 
every day trying to lure people away from the door. Later this year, they are moving to a new, larger facility somewhere in Napa that they do not want public because they do not want anti-abortion activists to get a jump on planning their activities for that location as well. But they are moving to a new location, and they were very clear that a big reason is how uncomfortable and unpleasant and harmful the experience is for patients at that current location because of the anti-abortion activists and because of the crisis pregnancy center next door. What is being done about these crisis pregnancy centers? Are state lawmakers aware of these centers and have they tried to do anything about them? Democrats, at least in California, have been trying to regulate these places and mostly failing for a very long time. California passed the Reproductive Fact Act in 2015. It required healthcare facilities to tell people about state programs that provide abortion services. It also forced centers without medical licenses to post notices acknowledging that they were not licensed. But in 2018, the Supreme Court struck it down on the grounds that it violated the First Amendment. And that's where many attempts to regulate these centers run into trouble. Freedom of religion and, I think, in the case of the FACT Act, forcing them to give out information that went against what they wanted to do. You can't force someone, can't compel a religious organization to distribute information about where to get an abortion. Rebecca Bauer Cahan of Orinda just introduced AB 315, which really focuses on the deceptive advertising element. California Attorney General Bonta issued a consumer alert in June, basically just laying out the differences between crisis pregnancy centers and abortion clinics, and basically just directing people to do their research. So, okay, we can't force these places to tell you where to go to get an abortion. What we can do is say you are not allowed to advertise as offering a full range of reproductive health services when, in fact, you do not. What do you hope that people take away from this story? I hope people will realize that the rollback of reproductive rights in this country really affects everyone. The volatility of the abortion rights discussion in the U.S., the the political and financial power that the church and the right-wing Christian anti-abortion movement in this country really has, and the way that touches every corner of the country, even even the supposedly very liberal Bay Area in the sanctuary state of California. Well, Emma, I want to thank you for reporting on this story and for joining us and sharing your reporting with us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for for your interest. That was Emma Silvers, a digital editor and producer for KQED. 
This 55-minute conversation with Emma was cut down and edited by senior editor Alan Montecilio. Maria Esquinka is our producer. She scored this episode and added all the tape. If you learned something from this episode, I sure did. Do us a favor and send it to one person in your life who you think might find it interesting. Word of mouth is the best way to help others find our show. The rest of the team here at KQED includes Jen Chien, who is our director of podcasts. Cesar Saldana is our podcast engagement producer. And Holly Kernan is our chief content officer. The Bay is a production of KQED in San Francisco. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks for listening. Peace. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 